Merry Christmas, pod people, and welcome to our Christmas episode of Cinema de More. I am one of your hosts, Justin Morgan. I'm here with and Chuck. The second Chuck is Lexi, and we're recording this on a football night. I don't know. Chuck said Thursday was a good day. He's wild, so I can only say. <laughs> and we're gonna discuss the Home Alones because I love them. Because you hate me. Because you hate me. Uh, no. Maybe, but no. I picked it on a whim. I felt like it kind of mixed in a little well with the murder theme that we just had. Every time I watch this, I definitely think of Macaulay Culkin's Kevin McAllister as a the beginnings of a serial killer. Definitely like a Jigsaw character, for sure. It's a fun slapstick movie that is so brutal that I'm actually kind of surprised a kid threw a brick on their parent's head or something like that and murdered them. Unless you know of any stories that that's happened. Chuck looks like he knows. I'm sure it happened somewhere. I mean, there's got to be something. If I threw a brick on someone's head, I'd be like, from home alone. I mean, they blame Beavis and Butthead for fucking everything back in the day, so it would have been Beavis and Butthead's fault before it would have been home alone's fault. I saw this movie in the theaters. Saw the first two in the theaters. I might even have saw the third one in the theaters, to be honest. <laughs> and they stopped putting them in the theaters, so I did not see the rest of them in the theaters. I don't know if they'll ever come back. They uh, definitely need to probably bring... Macaulay Culkin back for some sort of Home Alone cameo. They just got to make another good one. They got to take it out of the made-for-TV space and put a good director behind it again. I mean, you go from Christopher Columbus, not the explorer, but the <laughs> the director. You were born in 87, right? 86. 86. So how old were you when you saw these in the theater? You saw it when it came out? It'd be like four and seven. Uh, I was eight when I saw... Home Alone. I think I also saw Home Alone in theaters at like age 30. I went one night when they were having a, like a trivia thing. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was the right age for these movies. I saw it when it came out and I was eight. So I was like the same age as Kevin when these movies came out. Did it help you relate to Kevin? No, I fucking hated this movie. I walked out of the theater going that was one of the worst movies I've ever seen. And then they made me watch it for the rest of my life in school and went, guess what? We're going to watch. And they pull out Home Alone. And I'd be like, fuck, I fucking hate this movie. Why would you hate it as an eight-year-old kid? What turned you against it? That doesn't seem like a thing a kid would hate. I fucking hated it. The person who took me to the movie, he was a teenager. He was 16. And he was babysitting me. And he loved it. I was the only kid in that theater that was looking around, what the fuck is everybody enjoying? I did not understand. I didn't enjoy this movie at all. My mom was very happy. She's like, thank God, because she didn't want to have to deal with it. I found Kevin really unappealing as a kid. I never liked Macaulay Culkin. If I'm to be completely honest, something I realized as an adult that I didn't really realize as a kid was I just didn't like anything that was really live action oriented. And if it was animated, it always tended to hit. And I'd be a lot more willing to let shit go when it was animated. But 
live action TV shows for kids, live action movies for kids very often. That doesn't mean that they didn't exist. I obviously had a lot of live action stuff for kids that I liked, but they were very few and far between. It was always just a harder lean towards the animation, which as you guys have started working with me on the show, I still have a really hard lean towards the animation. That always tends to be more my penchants. I've just always been that way, but live action kids movies never sat right with me and there was something about this kind of stuff like the kid movies that came out in this time period where it was the idea of what a kid fantasy would be when a kid is left alone or like blank check when a kid acquires a large sum of money and what they would do with it and the behaviors of what they would do with those sorts of things and I just never thought that way and I never would have done what these people did and they just weren't fantasies to me. I never saw the appeal of any of it and as Macaulay Culkin as an actor, I really hated the films he was in. I couldn't stand them. I always liked Elijah Wood, like I I told you before. And Elijah Wood was in more like those kind of slice of life, 50s, 60s kind of movies, like things like Radio Flyer and stuff like that. Back to the Future 2. Was he in that? He, oh yeah. yeah, he was. He was a little, he was a little guy in that. I wish I'm a big Back to the Future fan. If I just never liked those fantastical, stupid kids movies that like Three Ninjas and shit like that. So I just never, never worked for me. And and I think this was one, another one of those. I didn't like the smarmy looks on his face, and I didn't like the way he presented in so many of these kids movies. I always found Macaulay Culkin really annoying. The first time I ever liked Macaulay Culkin as an actor was The Good Son anything else i like uncle buck uncle buck's an excellent film some of his really early works when he's really young when he's just being a kid in the background where he's not the focal character he's a good actor we'll get into it when we watch when we're talking about the movie but i, I did learn an appreciation for mcculkin as an actor this time around watching it that i never had when i was a kid something i was able to look at this time around when i was watching it as a kid i just couldn't appreciate the mcculkin era but now you do those kind of films, like I didn't like Richie Rich. I mean, you're naming a lot of bad movies that I think are bad movies, but I like Home Alone. Like Richie Rich and Blank Check, and those aren't really good movies at all. No, they weren't, but they all kind of like spawned out of that same sort of thing, like that kind of kid era stuff where it was like those fantastical things where kids are off building traps or, you know, having all the money and being able to do whatever they want and having those fantastical things. Kid protagonist movies that I loved growing up are probably this and Honey, I Shrunk the Kids or something like that. And then I kind of was more interested in Batman and Jurassic Park or weird shit like Predator and Robocop or something like that. I was that weird kid that was like, I like Back to the Future because I want to know more about the time machine. You're the kid in the beginning of the first movie that's asking about the van, all the stats on the van. Yeah, like, I, I genuinely, like, I was like, I want to know more about the time machine. I was like, can we get back to the fucking car? Same with Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. I didn't really care about when they got shrunk. I cared about the laser. I was a weird kid. I went to space camp. I liked, you know, science and math and shit. Like, I didn't like math, but I like I had math problems. I mean, there was math in this. He had to purchase things. He's a smart kid in this. I like the math for the pizzas that they got, where they're like $12 a pizza at the time. Well, where's the 50 cents come from, hmm? <laughs> I have never had a fantasy of eating a tub of ice cream. There's never been a time in my life as a child. And every time I'd ever watch a movie where a kid was doing that, I was like, ugh. You're such a strange person. (laughs) 
Such a strange kid, for sure. I enjoyed Home Alone. I had a Home Alone Sega Genesis game that I also enjoyed playing, where you had, like, five I houses that game. in the neighborhood yeah. that you had to, like, set up traps, and you had to get around on the sled. So they did a really good job trying to, like, pull as much shit out of the movie as possible. I think that it has an insanely strong cast for the most part. His family, his all the relatives, the kids that you don't really get much time with, they're out of the picture before you know it. But, like, how the fuck did they get Joe Pesci in this movie i have no fucking <laughs> the cast in this movie is incredible joe it's pesci incredible. makes the fucking movie he is so funny don't forget about daniel stern come on yeah when daniel stern goes oh kids are scared of the dark and he's like you're <laughs> scared, of the, you're scared of the dark that's those are my favorite two lines of the that one and in the second one of <laughs> yeah kids are scared of the park shut up marv you're scared of the park <laughs> Yeah, Daniel Stern, too. Uh, maybe that's the biggest thing that I know him from, except the Bushwhack, Wonder, Wonder Years. Years. Yeah, Wonder <laughs> Years is about probably it. Because his biggest thing, I think, was Breaking Away in the 70s, so I didn't know that movie existed when this movie came out. All I could think of is when he was in that movie Bushwhacked. He did a lot of kids' movies in the 90s. Like what? What else? He, like I said, Bushwhacked. He played a lot of those, like, this role, like, over again, like, criminals that would, like, get up getting fucked over by kids, like, over and over. He did, like, that I role. I don't know. I don't remember seeing him that much. That's only, like, one other movie. I feel like he's fallen out of the picture. The only thing that I, I thought that he was in recently that I thought that was actually kind of clever is in the Netflix show Love. They make a reference about, uh, I think it's uh, in the TV show Friends... They've talked about Die Hard and then Bruce Willis shows up, but nobody seems to notice that Bruce Willis is there. In the TV show Love, they make that reference, but earlier in that season they have a Home Alone reference, and then the one character's dad is Daniel Stern. So I thought that that was a pretty cool reference to kind of like throw that out there and, and be that way. That's funny. But like even uh, John Hurd, I mean the stuff that he's in was Sopranos and shit. Catherine O'Hara, which, I mean, Beetlejuice at the time. I, I don't really can't right. think of anything else from that time. I mean, yeah, she's virtually in, like, every fucking thing under the sun. I just figured it was a John Hughes thing. Shit's Creek. And then John Candy. Like, even John Candy just John showing Candy, up yeah. at the end of this. And what better role can you have than having John Candy just show up, like, randomly? Like It's such a, a great introduction where he's just hovering behind her, and it's like, oh, shit, that's John Candy. Or us, Uncle Buck. Hey, look, that's Uncle Buck. Yeah, it's just one of those John Hughes connections because, like, he worked with them on fucking everything. And, and when Macaulay Culkin got his start with Hughes, I figured it was just one of those things where it's like, hey, you want to be in my movie? And John Candy's like, yeah, I got you. It's interesting, too, with the Culkins because Culkins were a family that were, like, pushing their kid into the business. And I, I've seen They're a lot of that. Horribly abusive father that forced their entire children's family to go be Hollywood actors because he couldn't make it in the industry. So, Oh, that's every single fucking person whose child is an actor. That's all their mentality. All the parents are pushing that. And I've seen the same thing where there's not just one kid like that. There's They might have three kids, and all three kids are exactly the same fucking way. Culkin's dad is a special kind of abusive. He farmed every one of those kids. Family. I guess he's kind of like the Jackson's dad in a lot of ways. Yeah, but that's not really all that surprising. It came out that he had spent all the money. Oh, yeah, every dollar. That's kind of where laws came into place, or they set aside a huge chunk of money for the ch yeah. child actor that the parent has no access to the kid turned 18, which I think is how yeah, it yeah, should yeah. be. 
it's interesting too that Macaulay Culkin kind of drops out of the limelight and only recently he's been popping up in a few things here and there but then you have somebody like Kiernan and I can't remember the other kid's name that was in uh, Scream Rory. Rory they're really popping up all over the place now and in so many things and they're incredible Kieran's amazing I love him he's an he's incredible Scott actor Pilgrim. he's one of the best yeah. actors in that movie Macaulay got like at a really weird phase too where he looked like he was dying or something. Like he looked horrid. He doesn't anymore. I don't know what it was. When he was in Party Monster, he looked awful. I don't know Karen what was Culkin going Culkin did that Lords of Chaos movie. He played Euronymous. I, I know people were mad at that movie because they were like, it doesn't follow the story accurately. And I was just, look, that movie was fucking amazing. And I thought it did a great job. He's also great in Succession. That's a great show. Going back to, like, the burglars, Harry and Marv. Felt like you were going to say Harry and Lloyd. Yeah, Harry and Lloyd. They are slapstick characters, essentially, but they seem very restrictive compared to what we end up getting after this movie. In the other movies, they make them incredibly stupid. They are dumb to an extent in these first two movies where a duffel bag above their head or something and they don't see it. But uh, I'm also really fond of the stunt work. The stunt people in this are fucking amazing. Literally everything that they do, I jumped around slightly since I'm kind of combining the first two Home Alone movies. But when uh, Harry's head catches on fire, and clearly this is nothing that Joe Pesci could ever fucking do, where he gets over that toilet that's full of kerosene or gasoline or something like that. Oh. Kerosene, yeah blows himself up and he does that like strange flip and lowers himself in he's got all this muscle upper body strength yeah <laughs> yeah he's a full-on gymnast i mean they do it a lot too like when they're hanging from the rope and stuff it's clearly stunt people the whole time every time somebody falls or something it's a stunt person and i just love it it's actually really well shot where they always like intercut it in really well that it always looks like these other people I think the thing that really surprised me on this viewing, I just never liked Macaulay Culkin, so there was this focus on the idea if I didn't like the actor, and so I wasn't paying attention to the film. The first time I watched it, I didn't know who he was, so I wasn't thinking about it at the time, but I just didn't care at the time because I was a kid. Now I have an understanding of things a little bit better, and so I was watching it, and Macaulay Culkin was an incredible actor as a child, and I see why there was an appeal to work with him, especially from John Hughes. His character in the film is great. He's a really good character. Kevin is the highlight of the film. The scenes where he's trying to talk about how his family is treating him like shit. His family's horrible. Every moment that Kevin's like, fuck you guys. I'm like, yeah, fuck you guys. I'm like, I 100% agree with you. Kevin's family treats him like fucking shit the entire movie. I would want them gone too. So the plot worked for you. They weren't liked enough that you wanted them gone. I didn't want them to ever come back. I was like, I hope their fucking plane crashes. I was like, these people are trash. I was like, none of them are redeeming. Not one of them are a redeeming character. Not even Uncle Frank? No, oh my God. <laughs> His mother? He, he's a special degree of like, the mother, I'm like, the mother's neg negligent as fuck. I'm like, nobody's paying attention to anything that he's saying. Nobody's listening to him. He has every right to fucking be mad. I'm like, he didn't start that fight. His brother started the fight. Uncle Frank just doesn't want his trip ruined. It's being paid for by his brother, and yeah. he's not going to have his trip ruined. I feel like Uncle Frank's the most sympathetic character in the movie. I mean, Uncle oh, Frank yeah. is a very real character to me. He definitely yeah. is a person that's in everybody's family. <laughs> These glasses are nice. Put them in your purse. Put them in your purse now. It's real. It's real crystal. Yeah. It's real. No. Put them in your purse. Right. Put them. Put them. Put them. Just put them in your purse. Uh, yeah, uh, fill it up. Fill it up. Fill it up, please. 
all the brothers and sisters. That's exactly how brothers and sisters are. That they're not fucking nice. <laughs> that's what it's like growing up. And then that the parents, they don't get the whole story. My sister would be like, ow, don't hit me when I didn't do anything at all so that I would get in trouble for my parents. That's the same kind of shit. I'm an only child, so I didn't have to deal with any of that stuff. So I don't have... Lexi, I did notice you in the movie. Your picture was inside of Buzz's trunk. Buzz, your girlfriend. Woof. Oh, yeah? Thanks. <laughs> you look just like his girlfriend, but without the braces. Oh, wow. <laughs> Even if you don't have brothers and sisters, everyone has a cousin Fuller. He's drinking soda after six. He's gonna wet the bed. What an insane family dynamic for this movie, too. They got this huge house. They're clearly very rich because they're going to Paris and everything and, and with this huge family. Kevin's family, is, he's like one of five kids, I think. And then the rest are all uh, Uncle Frank's kids. <laughs> It's a really good plot device, too, that he gets this fight. He's sympathetic because he's not the person that started the fight. The whole thing with Fuller pissing makes sense as to why mom's like, okay, fine, we won't give you Fuller. And all that, that dynamic really kind of worked. I mean, how do you forget bringing your kids to France with you? Because you're you. fucking pay attention. Like, I, I just couldn't believe, like, you would forget your child. That's why they have such a large family. They ask somebody else to do the head count, the one cousin. She accidentally counts the neighbor's kid. Because Buzz was distracting her. Exactly. If you had one kid and you went to France without them, then you'd be really negligent. This is like accidents happen. And... This isn't a cute plot. You fucking left your kid at home and went on a trip and you were on the plane before you realized the kid was missing. You should have realized in the airport the kid wasn't there. You should have been doing head counts along the way, all the way. You're missing the plot, or you're not really taking into consideration the fact that the power was out, there was chaos because they were running late, so they ran as fast as they can. They made the situation hectic, and they made Somebody it Somebody should sense. have noticed. Somebody plane tickets are non-refundable. Yeah. You gotta get there. Exactly. It totally makes sense. And then she realizes while they're flying out and it, the chaos is settled down, what does she do? She immediately is trying to get back to him and she never goes to the hotel or anything like that. The whole day trying to get her flight back and... I'm not praising her. She's a terrible parent. She's not. She's a fuck up. And she deserves to be fucking ridiculed for her failure. Quit trying to be an edgelord, Lexi. No adult in this movie is She's a good super person. sympathetic. Yeah, there is. John Candy's no a good one. person. Yes, yes, you're right. John Candy is the best adult in this movie. You are absolutely correct. And I'll give it to the old man next door. The, the snow The snow old man, her. too. Although he does take a while. He doesn't say shit when the kid's scared of him over a toothbrush, so... Other than those two, I'm like, every every adult in this movie is like subhuman scum. I think we're learning Lexi feels a lot of a lot of kinship with Macaulay Culkin's character. Yeah, I think so, too. Also, she would have the same question when he had to know, is this toothbrush approved by the American Dental <laughs> Association? I need to know before I can buy it. He's a really interesting character, like, when he's left by himself. I'm like, he's incredibly smart. He's shockingly resourceful. He shows proper child fears. Like, he's scared of the, the basement, the furnace in the basement. He's nervous about, you know, people outside the house. I'm still scared of the basement. <laughs> Shut up, Chuck. You know you're afraid of the basement. <laughs> Dude, I get nervous of basements still. There's a lot of things about him, and they show him overcome proper child fears. But then he also, like, has these conversations one-on-one -on -one with the camera that are very, like, adult and articulate. And so there's this like interesting dynamic with Kevin as a character where he has these like very adult conversations and handle situations in a very adult way. I mean, he uses aftershave. He's very adult. 
but then he also is like very much a child and so i think that's a wonderful dynamic of that character that i never noticed before of like kevin being a really well-rounded child who is competent he's he's clearly a child but he's also very competent and the way that he handles everything distraction for the criminals the first time when he puts the like people in the windows to make it look like people are home and like creates the whole elaborate like set up it's a good thing that he had so many fucking mannequins uh right his house. piles of I mean, mannequins and cardboard cutouts his mom had a sewing machine in her room and there was a sewing machine downstairs so i assume that she's some sort of seamstress that's why there's so many mannequins <laughs> i don't really know I like how he figures out how to use the the movie to do, like, all of his adult interactions. Yeah, that's one of the best ones, too. Yeah. Angels with filthy souls. Who is it? It's me, Snakes. I got the stump. Leave it on the doorstep and get the hell out of here. All right, Johnny. But what about my money? What money? AC said you had some dough for me. Bad effect. How much do I owe you? AC said 10%. Too bad AC ain't in charge no more. Hey, i tell you what I'm going to give you, Snake. I'm going to give you to the count of ten to get your ugly, yellow, no-good keister off my property before I pump your guts full of lead. All right, Johnny, I'm sorry. I'm going. One, two, ten. Keep the change, you filthy animal. I think I know Snake. No, no snake. (laughs) He sounded like a snake. (laughs) That's actually a really well shot fake movie for in the movie. I thought it was a real like for the longest time. I was like, (laughs) I was like, I think that's like a real movie. And then it wasn't until like a a long time later that I found out that it was actually the name's based off of a gangster movie. Yeah, it's perfect too. And then uh, obviously the sequel that they have in the next one. You've been smooching everybody. I think the thing's like too, I think it's called like isn't it like angels with filthier souls or something like yeah. that? Yeah. Yeah. It's almost the equivalent of like Die Hard 2 Die Harder. Yeah. Angels with yeah. filthier souls. I mean, if you think about Home Alone 2, it pretty much is Die Hard. What if the same thing happened to the same kid? The same guy. Once yeah. again. <laughs> like it's like, yeah. Yeah, in just a slightly different location. I really don't see how they saw this movie having a sequel. Because it made money. I know why it got a sequel. I'm not questioning why it got one. We're not stupid. I don't know how anybody could have looked at the first film and went, let's make a sequel to this. Pretty much perfect on its own. I'd make a sequel to it. I would send him to New York City. It's the perfect idea. Honestly, the idea of New York City, I don't know how random it sounds, but it's really nice seeing early 90s New York City. It's eerie seeing Kevin go to the World Trade Center and be on top of the World Trade Center and shit like that. <laughs> yeah. Trump before he's a fucking problem. Like, uh, well, he that he was always a problem. That was just, you just weren't aware <laughs> yeah. of him, him being a problem at that point. But I didn't know I he like was it, at that age. It almost makes more sense for for someone to, like, accidentally get on an airplane than to just completely be overlooked while going Mm -hmm. on the trip. Like, it it makes more sense that he drops his dad's bag because he's trying to play with his toy and then gets lost and goes to the wrong gate. And the people just, like, trust that he sees a guy and he's like, I'm pretty sure that's my dad. Did you have a talk boy? I had a talk boy. That was one of those toys that I saw the commercials and I saw this and was like, I really want that. And then I was like, can I have that? No, absolutely not. And it was like, (laughs) 
I think because I saw Kevin use it and was like, that's the most annoying thing I've ever seen in my life. I'm absolutely not buying that and having it in my house. Obviously, it didn't work as well as the movie. This kid is <laughs> perfect at stopping and playing things at, like, the exact moment. And the voiceover work. <laughs> Credit card. You got it. There is a slowdown voice changer, but it doesn't really sound like what it did in the movie <laughs> at all. I didn't want a talk boy. I was like, I don't need one. I have a... A yak back audio recorder. No, I had like I had like enough stuff, <laughs> yeah. like audio recording stuff at home that I could have done it on my own. I did see a meme the other day of the yak back that's like, hey, when we were kids, we had a toy that would record your voice and then you could play it back, <laughs> and that was good. That was all the and that toy was the was. whole toy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the entire toy was just playing with it, playing with a tape recorder, basically. <laughs> yep. Something you could buy for like five dollars at Radio Shack, but they repackaged it for forty dollars. Yeah. It's a voice memo. Hey, That's Radio Shack was always expensive. So. Yeah. Kids voice memo machine. It's nice to see Tim Curry. It's sad to know. That's the last time that he moved. Oh, my God. That's so... I'll probably just jump back and forth between one and two. That shot from the Grinch who stole Christmas and his face, his smile curling. So and perfect. And Tim Curry, who's like the only human being on the planet that has that exact same that smile. Face. Yeah. Right. I mean, he was he was a little bit more terrifying in this movie than he was in it. Yeah, and there's a clown, so I don't know if that was supposedly. I feel like it was a reference the <laughs> the blow up clown that he snuck in on, thinking it. I don't know what the hell he was thinking. But. I do think two is Rob Schneider's best role. I probably agree with you on that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> he's funny without being like over the top. Like, yeah. I don't know how I don't know how Rob Schneider pulled it off, but he wasn't <laughs> terrible in this. So here we go. This and the you like the juice on uh, Saturday Night Live are his two best sketches. That's I think it. my favorite bit in this movie in the in the second one is when he holds his hand out for the tip and he gives him the gum. Yeah, the gum, he does yeah. it the second time and he's like, he's like, oh no, thank you, sir. I'm still chewing my first piece. And he like pulls out that giant wad of twenties and he's like, oh no, tip. I think okay. they're like fifties. <laughs> they're they were a lot. Yeah, they, yeah, it's a lot of money. Yeah. He goes, oh no, sir. I still have plenty of tip already left. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like the parents. They have any any money? Like. I mean, he's got my credit cards. I don't think he could figure out how to use a credit card. I'm like, the credit card's literally the easiest thing in the world to figure out. Like, just give him the numbers off of it. They certainly think their kid is an idiot. They think that Kevin is an idiot. Like, that's the other thing. It's as frustrating as how stupid they think Kevin is. I'm like... I mean, they do do that credit card line. Like, I don't know if he knows how to use that, but they're pretty quick to say how resourceful he was to the previous Christmas. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's almost like they revert in the second yeah. movie. They're like, I don't think he could figure that out. And I'm yeah. like, you you saw what he did last time. Like, Kevin took down two criminals and managed to completely survive on his own. And, like... They don't know about the criminals, though. They're like, oh, he bought groceries? And, like, he bought groceries several times. I'm like, this kid, like, didn't just, like, take care of himself. He took care of himself better than I take care of myself. I, I've got to say, I do agree with Kevin in Home Alone 2. Who wants to go to Florida for Christmas? Yeah. I lived in Florida for Christmas. There. It fucking sucks. Trust me. When he went to New York, I would way rather go to New York than, than Miami for Christmas. <laughs> and then they end up in that, like, shitty motel anyways. Yeah, he gets the, he has the nice hotel. They're in, like, that terrible place, and it's, like, pouring down rain or something all the time. It's like a hurricane going on outside. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they look like they're going to get murdered when they pull up in the shuttle and they're all staring out of it. The movie also really does want to make you think that New York is the worst place to ever be. Like, it's the most dangerous place. Like, when he's getting all scared and he jumps in that cab and he's like, it's scary out there. And the guy turns around and he's like, it's not much better in here. <laughs> yeah, the prostitutes and everything. Yeah, the creepy yeah. people. 
I mean, I think New York has changed, though. 70s gritty New York is gone. Yeah. Gentrification has changed that place, and uh, it's not remotely what it used to be. Two feels like a rehash of one. It doesn't feel like it. It is. It 100%. We're trying to do one, but like bigger. The only thing that I think works really well is the final act where they're doing the traps, you know, up against the traps. The traps in the house are all like bigger in the in the second one. Like they literally top every single one from the first one. They remember the traps from the first one. So it's always remember the trap like this handle's going to burn me, but it's it's always something else. Kevin's very good at guessing what they're going to do. Yeah, or like when they throw the paint cans over the railing and they're like they pretend to get hit in the face yeah. and there's that like giant like piece of like steel pipe or something <laughs> that smacks him in the face. Yeah. Or the uh what's that the the tool chest that like comes flying down the steps at him. Yeah, that's pretty convenient how that worked. And I mean, you were talking about the stunt work. Are we, are we going to ignore Daniel Stern uh, turned into a skeleton while he was getting electrocuted? No, because that's the highlight of and the whole movie. Moments of any yeah, movie. it's really good. And, and like the only other thing, too, that is where I think they kind of went too far is in the first movie when they put the tarantula on Daniel Stern and he has that ridiculous scream. And it's so funny. Oh, yeah, that part's it's great. It's so funny. So in like the next movie, they're like, Daniel, you're doing that five times in this movie. <laughs> It's his only scream the entire movie. The part with the spider was good. Right when you think it's gonna like go wrong for him, it does kind of work in his favor. It's such a funny scene though. Like I like where he's gonna hit the spider with the crowbar. Yeah, <laughs> and and Joe Pesci just has that look on his face, like, "What are you doing? What are you doing, Marv? Marv, what are you doing?" When he swings out over to the treehouse and he's like, I'm going to call the cops. And he's like, oh, that little shit's going to call the cops. And he's like, it's a treehouse, Marv. There's no phone in that house. I'm surprised that he didn't kill these people ever in this movie. I guess in the first movie, I, I could believe that they could survive these things because they weren't always yeah. that terrible. But the second one's like, they like fall from like the third floor all the way to the basement. If five bricks hitting you in the head didn't kill you, the explosion from when you put your head in the kerosene <laughs> to the falling to the electrocution, they're 100% would be dead. This is where I think of the slashers. Harry and Marv are essentially Jason Voorhees. They won't die. They, they haven't realized anything. it yet. There's a couple of times too, like, why would you go through that window and not look down before you stepped on all those glass ornaments? Because it's fucking funny. Why would you assume there was glass ornament on the ground? It's, who would do that? I wouldn't open any window and just, like, go through it without looking down first. Like, that's just me. I mean, he opens that door and he walks into the biggest hole of all time in New York. A door is a door. So I'm not going to necessarily look down when I open a door because a door is designed for that. But a window, people put shit in front of windows. You know, like little, like, ottomans or, like, things. So I would, like, open a window and I'd look down first and be like, what's in front of the window before I try to climb through it, you know? I mean, then that's times too that joe pesci falls on his back i feel like he would be out of the game it's always yeah. so violent and, and even in two when they do the seesaw thing in the at the toy store and he gets slammed on that car <laughs> there's no way he wouldn't have died then i don't think i think i really hate the cartoon elements of the criminals why you like animation no i i hate it because i think the movie is very grounded for the most part and then all of a sudden they show up and it becomes like a fucking cartoon why does it have so such a grounded quality and then all of a sudden these two are just like slapstick cartoon whatever and i just don't understand that like why it takes that shift i don't like that shift it has to be a little like that or else uh, it'd be too violent if it was grounded they would be dead within like well yeah they would just be dead like what well, you have like them bleeding to death uh, yeah slowly <laughs> yeah 
I just wouldn't do that. What the hell's going on when they're the wet bandits and they become the sticky bandits? I mean, he has to change it up. But wet and sticky. You went from wet to sticky, and I'm just like, <laughs> these are like borderline kind of vulgar names. Stealing like 89 cents from the uh, can <laughs> outside the uh, for the Salvation Army. <laughs> I mean, he was also stealing people's uh, clothes, scarf. The reason for them being the wet bandits, he does that after they steal everything. He like floods their house, mm-hmm. and then the sticky bandit thing is just a completely like weird thing, which I do love that Harry hates both of his things. You did the thing again, didn't you? You left the water running, didn't you? And he's like, yeah. And he's like, you know, you're real sick. There's just something wrong with you. That's, <laughs> that's real sick, man. Like robbing them is one thing, but flooding their house is like, hey, you're sick, man. Although like the cops too, whenever they were like, well, good thing you left the water running. So now we know every house that you hit. <laughs> yeah. You think that would come back <laughs> in the second one where he'd be like, no, we're not doing that shit again. That's how we got in so much trouble the first time. Well, that's why he's just the sticky bandit. He doesn't do anything after the crime. He just uses it to get a little sticky. Even when they had did the newspaper that slammed it to the front of the door, that's like they escaped. I mean, they could have just had him escape out of the fish truck and, like, we got out of jail. They didn't have to do that whole newspaper shit. But I do also like how Joe Pesci's not sure that he's seen Kevin. He thinks that he's just haunted by Kevin McAllister. <laughs> that kid's so unnerving to him that he's like, shit, I think I just saw that kid. traumatized him. Must have been in my head. Oh, that woman that Marv ran into is the same woman that Kevin... <laughs> pinches her ass and she slaps him and then it's like actually it was that guy it was it was that actually... guy yeah <laughs> it was what guy <laughs> yeah lexi keeps saying i don't relate to him i don't relate to him i don't relate to a kid that just wants cheese pizza that's weird to me yeah <laughs> doesn't even put toppings on it cheese pizza is the pizza that's left over that no one's eating that's the last pizza yeah i can't i could never believe that even as much of uh jerks as the rest of his family is that buzz would knowingly want to eat a whole cheese pizza just so that Kevin couldn't have it. <laughs> yeah, that, that's the biggest disbelief of suspense you have to do. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. someone would choose to do that. Yeah. Also, kudos to Buzz for eating an entire cheese pizza within like a second. Five minutes. <laughs> I saw something too that was like inflation today. Like those would be like almost $30 pizzas that they were buying from this place. Probably. And now I keep seeing all the shit too with Kevin's grocery purchase where he gets it for like $19 and they're like It's the same thing. It's like actually like $86. <laughs> today yeah yeah i am most impressed with all the stunt work and the cast that they got in this movie and even though it goes back and forth between serious and ridiculous it has to be somewhat serious or the heartfelt stuff's not going to work stuff with the mom who thinks that she's coming to grips with this horrible thing that she's done so i think she's remorseful lexi i don't know why you can't see that i didn't say she's not remorseful she's a failure of a parent I enjoy uh, the reveal of Kevin not being there better in the in the second one too though. Like it is, I I don't know yeah. I, that like always makes me laugh when they're just like they just pass the bag all the way down and mm-hmm. like you just have to watch the entire line of like twenty people just keep like give it to Kevin, give it to Kevin. This is Kevin's bag, give it to Kevin. Then it gets all the way and like those creepy people old people are, like, just looks at those like old people just staring at him and he just like turns back around. Kevin's not here. <laughs> That scene you in the second one, when she's sitting there with the cop, and she's like, we left our child at home. This isn't the first time. Cop's just staring at her. It's like, well, last year we left our kid at home for Christmas. Ah-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-
What's the? Oh, it's not. No, because it's a comedy, isn't it? Not every. I'm pretty scene sure it's presented to be funny. Okay, well, I, I'm pretty sure that that's supposed to be presented as funny. Uh, that's why I think you don't like the movie. You're just misinterpreting the stuff that's supposed to be funny. Oh, okay. What's not? I, I, I'm pretty sure that that scene was written to be funny. I think that was supposed to make it seem like the cops are worthless. I don't think it was supposed to be a funny scene. I think the parents are worthless. The cops are fucking astonished that these You're saying parents this is a very are fucking cop film. Oh my god. Both of them are kind of anti-cop films. Although, anytime the cops have to show up, they're fucking fast. Those fireworks go off in the Central Park, and the cops are there in like two seconds raiding the place. And then the first one, too, they the way they all show up, like it was a high-speed chase or something to get these guys. I want to see the Murphys come home and be like, what the fuck happened in my house? That would actually have been a good cameo for, like, another John Hughes I mean, we'd have had Ali Sheedy in the second one, like, give us Emilio Estevez or something like that. Like, what the <laughs> fuck happened to my house? <laughs> that, I would have done a post credit scene there, and that's exactly what I would have I would have added to it. Either the parallels in it are, are very obvious. Not even just the, the person that seems scary that's not scary. I mean, if there's a third home alone with Kevin, well, with this Macaulay Culkin, it would be like the third person would actually be a terrible person that hurts Kevin. Because <laughs> now he trusts the weird people. Yeah. I know that was like everyone's biggest thing, like when they did The Hangover 2, and people were like, it's literally just the exact same movie, just in a different location. And it is like, yeah, they already did that with Home Alone once, where it's literally the exact movie, the exact yeah. same plot points, just in a different location. Saves Kevin at the last second, wearing like the exact same boots for some reason, or like very similar looking boots. <laughs> And that old guy, too, he has a real heartfelt conversation in the church with Kevin about how he fought with his son and doesn't get to see him anymore. Like, it's a comedy, Lexi. You think that's supposed to be funny? I don't know what you want me to say. I think it's a pretty bone-stock John Hughes comedy. I mean, yeah, it does, obviously. I think it's one of his weakest films, like I said to you before. He didn't direct his... this movie, though. I think his best film is Uncle Buck. And... His best film is Plane, Trains, and Automobiles. I oh, think yeah, it's Ferris down. Bueller, but, movie. you know. Trains and Planes and Automobiles is amazing and that's why john candy showed up in this one the first movie must have been a pretty good experience for pretty much everybody to come back i felt like a, like one kid was replaced and one kid wasn't there at all which made sense because she was the oldest one i mean it was hard to believe that buzz was still a kid <laughs> in, in the second one it's like a year later and he looks like he's he definitely looks like he's aged four years or, or more right and that guy too like he's also started making a comeback in acting he was in uh nebraska and i, I keep seeing him in a, a, a bunch of things he's like he cameos later again as buzz character I really do like this movie well both of these i usually always watch the back to back i don't watch them every year though it's not like I roll around to Christmas time and I'm like, gotta watch Home Alone again. How are you able to escape them? I've seen them like four or five times just because they're always on a channel. I usually don't stop and watch them. Recently, there was like the 24 hours of Elf. I think I watched the first hour <sighs> and then the next day I watched, I watched the last hour. Elf is great. Elf is probably what we're going to discuss shit. next year. God, you could do that without me. What Christmas God. movies do you like? Give me like I don't two. like Christmas. Christmas is trash. <laughs> okay, let's pretend you're not a hipster for one second. What Christmas movie would you like? I don't even know. Uh, I like Christmas Evil. See, I would even say something like Die Hard or something like that if you really... Die Hard's not a fucking Christmas. Christmas movie, and I'm not having this conversation. It absolutely is a Christmas movie. No, it's not. How is it not a Christmas movie? I'm not doing this. We can move on. 
It didn't even come out at Christmas. It's not marketed as a Christmas There's movie. There's lots of Christmas it movies that, did, occurs that come out in the summer. On Christmas, shit. Christmas is the basis for why they're doing a robbery, but it is not the focus or the central subject of the film. It has nothing to do with the movie. There's a ton of Christmas references. nothing to do with it. It doesn't matter. It's, it's not a Christmas movie. You want to talk about hipsters, a bunch of people who are like, oh, Die Hard's my Christmas movie because they just were like tired of watching the same Christmas movies and then they went and pulled this out of their ass as their Christmas movie. That's what this is. It's not pulled out it's of their the same ass. same shit. Absolutely. No, it's not. When I was growing up, nobody said that. It wasn't until I was like in my 30s, all of a sudden people were like, Die Hard's a Christmas movie. I'm like, it sure as fuck isn't. Yes, it is. It's always been. Okay, you can have that opinion and take it to your grave with you. It's fucking nonsense, but you can go ahead. I, I don't even know why you're mad. You got mad about something that doesn't even matter to you on any personal level. But I was interested to know if there was any... I'll even go holiday movies that you liked. Like, I love It's a Wonderful Life. I like the French and Spanish versions that we saw. Grinch is in both of them, like we said. I like Opus and Bill's A Wish for Wings. Yeah, that's not a real uh, thing. What are you talking about? It sounds like a made-up thing. I have no idea what you're talking about. Like, it's not. It's it's a Christmas special that I watch. I like Santa Claus versus the Snowman. I like the Invader Zim Christmas special. I mean, I've heard of Invader Zim at least. I've never liked Christmas. It's probably my least favorite holiday. I think growing up, every Christmas special on TV was either a recreation of a Christmas story or It's a Wonderful Life. You need so to watch a, a Muppet like, Family Christmas. That's the best one. I don't. Whatever. Like, The Muppet Christmas Carol is fine. Not it's Christmas fine. Carol. A Muppet Family Christmas. Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas is better. Probably than a Christmas Carol. I don't know if I would say that it's better than a Muppet Family Christmas, though. I am not big on the Family Christmas one. I know the one you're talking about, though. I'm sorry you're so sad. I go into hard seasonal depression during Christmas. I typically can't afford to buy anybody gifts. I typically can't participate in this holiday. It's not fun for me, and it's not fun to watch a bunch of bullshit to me. I mean, it shouldn't be about the money, but I, I also think that it is probably harder to watch something like the McAllister family if you don't come from money to be like, look at that huge house and all this shit that they got. It's not super fun for me. I usually work on Christmas. I've worked on Christmas Eve and day pretty much most of my life. We've done it too back in our Hollywood video days. That's the only thing kind of missing from these Home Alones is the first one, you go into like a grocery store and a convenience store or something. The second one, you at least get the toy store, so you get the big Christmas mood. But the first one, they don't go into Chicago for like any sort of shop. Obviously the family wouldn't, they're going on vacation, but like Kevin doesn't either. Well, I think the first one's really grounded around him not trying to leave the house at all. And then when he does, he's being bold. Every action he takes, like even if it's just going to the store, was already like a pretty bold move on his behalf. I think kids have a different perspective on Christmas too. And so when I was younger, you know, Christmas was family fun. My family did Christmas. We had fun with Christmas. I got gifts. It wasn't a bad part of my life, but I can say like when I hit 15, I just completely stopped giving a fuck about it. Elf was the new I movie. I fucking hate that movie. I can't stand, but I don't like him. So what's his name? The actor, I can't think of his name right now. What is it, Bob Newhart? No, fucking fuck off. You know what I'm talking about. James Caan. Oh, sure. I like A Christmas Story. We talked about that last year. That's one of my favorite movies. In some aspects, I like Christmas better now than I did when I was a kid. 
A Christmas Story is a prime example of a movie that I watched way too many times, and I need to like space it out every five years before I watch it again. And even then, it's just it's too ingrained in my head that I just I don't enjoy it as much as I used to. So for that reason, I just kind of don't watch these things all that often anymore. We used to watch the Santa Claus movie with Dudley Moore, Family Tradition. What about the Tim Allen one? That was pretty good. Well, it didn't exist when I was a kid. It came out when you were a kid. I was a teenager. Oh, fuck, you're old. (laughs) That's kidding. Yes, I'm I'm, I'm 41. (laughs) I was eight when this movie came out. It really doesn't feel like that old of a movie, except the fact that they don't have cell phones. I think it feels old. Honestly, my favorite part of watching the first movie was the amount of old hatchbacks. Being, like, afraid of vans, or they're, like, vans that kidnap children. It's ultra creepy watching them follow Kevin after they almost fucking ran him over and murdered him. Either of you, do you remember the mac and cheese that he ate before the criminals broke into the house? Do you remember that shit? Uh, he didn't eat it. But do you remember it? That microwave macaroni and cheese, that early Stouffer's, when he ate that in the movie, like, I was like, I remember him eating that, and I was like... He didn't eat it. Well, I know he doesn't eat it. I remember I wasn't allowed to have those when I was a kid. My mom wouldn't buy those. And that's why you hated him. You were jealous. See, that is a kid fantasy, then, that you related to, because you wanted the mac and cheese. (laughs) That's the only thing he did. I was like, yeah, I'd buy that. Well, unfortunately, it looks like we're out of time to discuss any of the other Home Alone movies. We'll have to do it Fucking better not. Yeah, we'll have to do them next year. No. Apologies to Matt Damon for running out of time. Exactly. <laughs> You're not making me watch six of these fucking things and then not talk about them. We talked about two of them. <laughs> this is the Macaulay Culkin era of uh, Home Alone. We do appreciate you guys listening. No, you can't. We'll have to do more Home Alones later, I guess. I've never seen the fourth Home Alone movie with uh, French Stewart, but I have seen all the other Home Alone movies. Lexi's watched them all. I think she's seen more Home Alones than any of us. <laughs> I swear to God, she made me watch all of them just to fuck with me. I didn't do it to fuck with you. We just ran out of time. <laughs> It's a football night in Pittsburgh. We have to go. We've already missed 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> you should record that apology for us, Lexi. Jesus. <laughs> All right. Merry Christmas, everybody. Hopefully you enjoyed the episode, and we'll be back next year with some fun shit. Uh, I hope to tease within the next week. All right. That was our episode. Thanks for listening. Bye. Sometimes you just need a little bit of home balloon. Bye. Kids are scared of the dark. You're afraid of the dark too, Marv. You know you are. No, I'm not. Not, not, not.
what you did, you little jerk. 